As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out, and there's that word, out in joy, and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. We're going to be talking a lot about joy over the next few weeks, and there is a real joy deficiency in our culture. And I reckon, um, as we are going through this series, I really believe that particularly here at New Hope, but hopefully at churches all around Melbourne through this next season, will increase in joy. And I think it's such a powerful thing. So let's get into it. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you that uh, you brought every person to church tonight who's in this room. God, I pray you be with them. I pray you strengthen them. And God, for everything going on in, in their hearts and their lives, Father, I pray they'll lay it at the foot of your cross tonight. Jesus, you are more than enough for all of us. And I pray for an increase of joy tonight, that God would just have fun. We would just enjoy being with you, being around each other. And God, you would, um, you would uh, just have your way in this place tonight. In your name, everyone said, a few years ago, I uh, took up golf for the first time. Um, I'm only 28, but living like I'm 65 and retired. But uh, the reason I took up, oh, happy birthday, Ray. Um, the reason I took it up, I played golf with Ray. That was my brain th- remembering. And uh, hey, birthday, man. Um, I took it up. The reason I took up golf was because I was always terrible at it. So I am not much of a book learner, I'll be honest. I'm not super smart. But I was always really quick at picking up skills and practical things. And I'm a practical learner and I'm a visual learner. And, and sport was one of, sort of my jam growing up. It was the thing I loved. Um, hanging out with mates at lunchtime. That was why I went to school. Soccer, cricket, footy, you name it. Whatever we were doing, it was great. And um, I I loved it. But I remember in year 10, I think it was, going to play golf for the first time and just being so, so bad at it. Just so bad. It wasn't funny. And I I never played again because I'm the kind of guy that has a bit of an ego. And if I'm not awesome at something, I won't do it. So I just just said, no, I'm not going to do that. And then a few years ago, um, it was definitely a God thing. I just, I just felt him prompting me, maybe you should start playing golf. And so I, um, I went to the driving range a few times, which if you uh, go to the driving range, you say you play golf, you don't play golf. Like anyone can hit a ball at the driving range. Go play a round and then we'll see if you can play golf. And, uh, but I finally um, decided, all right, I'm going to bite the bullet and start playing golf. And Steph, my wonderful wife, hey babe, um, bought some uh, clubs for me for my birthday and I decided to go and have a hit. And I remember literally sitting, sitting on the tee for the first time. First ball, by the way, went straight into the water, straight into the middle of a lake. It was great. But genu- feeling genuinely anxious about this, like, like just, just deliberately putting myself in a situation that was uncomfortable. That where I knew that I am going to be really bad at this, and it's going to take a lot of time for me to get good at this. Because golf's the kind of sport where you hit 10 bad shots to one good shot ratio. Like, it's, if you're me. If you're better than me, like Ray, um, it's more like, you know, one to two. But uh, I, 
Um, I'm pretty ordinary. I'm, I'm better now, but it took a long time for me to learn. I ended up getting a membership at Maroondah Golf, Maroondah Council, and got to play at Ringwood and stuff, and would genuinely in summer go most nights after dinner for an hour or, hour or so, just get frustrated for an hour, until I stopped getting frustrated and started getting better. But it was really an uh, interesting season where I discovered that me getting out of my comfort zone and doing something uncomfortable didn't actually, um, didn't actually hurt me, it actually helped me. And then I took it a step further. Um, I decided to stop playing golf and trade it in my golf membership in for a gym membership. Um, it was at the time when a few of our youth leaders were signing up to Anytime Fitness and Ginny and Joel worked there. And um, I have always been so insecure about the gym. Always so insecure. I'm a skinny boy, not anymore. But <laughs> kidding, it's a joke. Lols. Um, I... But I was always so insecure. I could never put on weight. I was, the, I was the guy that was really good at running and good long distance stuff, but I was always just a twig. And so I was so insecure about going to the gym with guys that were stronger than me. Um, and it took me ages to get over that. And, but um, it, once again, over time, just by committing to it and getting out of my comfort zone and being brave, I discovered that um, I didn't actually want to be comfortable. Being comfortable was such a cheap thing, and I actually got so much more life from doing something a bit daring. And then I did um, the most daring thing that I've ever done uh, up to this date, probably. I, um, I decided to eat vegetarian for a few months. I, uh, I, growing up, I had the kind of parents who loved me and possibly a mother who loved me too much and would never make me eat anything I didn't love. And so, wonderful, thanks mum, except for the massive anxiety I would get about eating food at other people's houses and eating food that I didn't know that I already enjoyed. And, um, and my lovely wife decided to go vegetarian for a season um, and I am the chef of the house and she's the cleaner. And so I was for a while cooking two meals, cooking me a nice steak and then cooking her a vegetarian meal. And I just had no idea what to cook her. I was like, roast veggies, that's it, and salad. That's pretty much all you eat, right? Where do you get your protein? Oh, that's pretty much every question a vegetarian gets. Like, first question. Um, my mother asks it every single time. She sees us, doesn't she? It's like, we're fine. Um, but anyway, finally got sick of cooking two meals, and then Steph decides... Maybe we should get something like HelloFresh, which, if you don't know, is like a food delivery service and um, a vegetarian delivery service. So kill two birds with one stone. I will uh, figure out how to actually cook some vegetarian meals and I will eat some vegetarian meals myself and, and choose to, at home, eat vegetarian for a while. And man, like... I don't know how you convinced me to do this because I had bad food anxiety, right? So bad. Okay, okay, here. Let me get vulnerable. Oh, gosh, this is bad. Um, let me tell you a story. The first time I ate tofu, I cried. <laughs> I genuinely cried. Not kidding. I cried. It was, yeah, sorry. Like, I was so, it was a real thing for me, this food anxiety. It was huge. It was huge. And, and now I am so much better than I was. Finally, I enjoy tofu now, as long as it's like marinated in something. None of that plain stuff. No, thank you. But, um, and I'll still eat meat whenever I get a chance to, of course. But 
Like, I'm way less anxious about food than I used to be. I'm way less stressed about it. And once again, I learned that I didn't actually want to stay comfortable. And comfort is such a cheap substitute for peace. It can never give you that. And where life is found is outside of that comfort zone, outside of that area where you think you want to be, but you know you don't actually want to stay. That's where life is found. Tonight, in our passage, we have an opportunity, if you will let me invite you into it, to, for you to get out of your comfort zone and take a risk with me in the best way possible. We have a couple of examples tonight that I think that we as Christians particularly struggle with when it comes to getting out of our comfort zone. And if we can nail these, we will change our city. You will change the world right where you're at, your universities, your schools, your workplaces. You will change them if you can be daring and brave enough to take on these challenges tonight. I've got a couple of points real quick. I just want to read out the verses again. Point one is this. First thing I think we need to do as believers to get out of our comfort zone, um, verse 6 to 8, I think I might read. Um, it's this. To get uncomfortable with the fact, with the fact, this isn't, this isn't a... This isn't a subjective thing. This is a fact, a biblical truth. Get comfortable, uh, be, or, be, or be, be comfortable with the fact that you're uncomfortable anyway, with the fact that God is better than you think he is. He's better than you think he is. Let me read this out. Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Pause there for a second. God is near to every one of us. Christian, non-Christian, he is near. Jesus died to bring us to our Father. He took on the sins of the entire world, crushed him, died, rose again from the grave. Three days later, we're going to celebrate him at Christmas. We celebrate him every Easter. Even non-Christians do it. He died so that we will be brought near to our Father, so that we are not saved through through behaving ourselves anymore. We're saved through believing in Him, and He is near to everyone. He's near to everyone. He's not distant like He was when Isaiah wrote this. He is so much closer than you think He is. So you can seek Him, and non-Christians can seek Him too. While He's near, and He is. Let the wicked forsake their ways, and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord. Let them turn to the Lord, and He will he will, he will, he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. He is better than you think he is, and he is after people in your lives who don't know him more than you think he is. He loves them so much more than you think he does. And we struggle with this in church because what we do when it comes to evangelism and sharing our faith is we, especially if you've been in church a while, people who have just come to, come to faith don't struggle with this as much, but people who've been in church a while, we kind of buy into the lie that what makes you belong here is your performance. So there's a few things that you don't do. You don't get drunk, you don't sleep around, you don't do drugs, you don't listen to Eminem, and and, uh, and you only listen to Kanye West, because that's what all the kids are doing these days. And, and, then you're, and then you're in. And then you're in. If you do those things, then sorry, you're out. And obedience becomes a prerequisite for belonging rather than you belonging to Christ, defining your behavior and your salvation in your life. It was always supposed to flow that way. It was always supposed to be, Jesus loves you so freaking much. Now live your life like him. It was never supposed to be, get your act together. 
Fix yourself and then you might impress him enough that he saves you. It was never supposed to be that, but we kind of buy into the lie that that's what it is. And so when it comes to sharing our faith with non-Christians, we kind of like, I don't want to paint God as being too good. I don't want to show them that he loves them so much in a way that might accidentally condone the way that they're living. And so like, well, they're living with their boyfriend or girlfriend before marriage. I, uh, I, 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 I'm do I share Jesus with them or do I just stay silent because I don't want to have that conversation? I don't want to go there. Whereas in reality, if they meet Jesus and they love him and, and they're, they're going to want to obey him, it is not a prerequisite. It is, it is never that. It is always a follow-on from, from a relationship with Jesus. And, and, and we actually trick ourselves into instead of living out the gospel and, and sharing our faith in a ferocious, bold way, like he wants us to do clearly by the intensity of these verses tonight, we actually step back into our comfort zone and stay silent. When you were not designed to be adequate and si- you're not designed to be like mild and mediocre and, and just, just standard human, you were designed to be amazing. But it is always outside of what you think is comfortable. When it comes to evangelism, we trick ourselves into thinking that, well, I think God's good, but I don't want to, I don't want to, I actually don't want to tell them how much he actually loves them because then I've got to, you know, deal with all the other stuff, whereas you don't know that. Jesus is the one that deals with stuff in life. Jesus is always the one that deals with any behavioral stuff, and behavioral stuff, man, is so far down the track in salvation, it's not even funny. He is after your hearts, and he is after the hearts of our desperate, hurting world, and you are his vessel to get to them. He chose you. Do not be intimidated. And get uncomfortable with the fact that he is better than you think he is. If you are in a place where God feels too good to be true, stay there. Stay there. You, he says that even in that, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I've so often thought of that in regards to God's sovereignty. So it's like when people, someone's going through a tough time, like that's kind of a verse that you can use to encourage people. Be like, you know, he knows what he's doing. His ways are different. He sees more than you. He sees, he sees everything. And, and, and we use it as a way to encourage people hurting. And that's not necessarily wrong. God is sovereign over everything. He understands our pain better than we do. He gets it. He absolutely gets it. But that's actually not the context this is in. The, the things that God's talking about, or, or Isaiah's writing about in this passage, is that the way that we differ from God and the way that our thoughts differ is that He's more merciful than us. He's more gracious than us. He's more loving than us. He's more kind than us. So you can never paint God as too good. You can never paint God as too good. So that's the first fear to drop. Get uncomfortable with the fact that He is better than you think He is. And then point two, get comfortable with the fact that he wants joy for you, even when you don't deserve it. He wants joy for you, even when you don't deserve it. Verse 12 says this, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Like, like that is not small language. That is huge. He wants your joy. He's not just after your obedience. He's after your joyful hearts and your joyful lives. He doesn't just want you to do good things. He wants you to reflect him, and he is joyful. It's who he is. It's who he is. 
and he's not waiting for you to get your act together until you have that. That's what our culture is telling everyone, by the way, that joy is to be found at the end of something. Every advertisement, every health campaign, every fitness regime, everything is telling you that if you change this about your life, it will give you joy. And Christians and non-Christians alike are after that. We want joy. It is the, crave, it is the deepest craving of our souls. We want joy. We want it so badly. But everything in our world says that it is at the end of something. But in Christianity, it's different. Joy is not the result of something. Joy is not at the end. Joy is not a reward. Joy was supposed to be our foundation. It was supposed to be our starting point and where we lived our lives from, not something that we get. So there's a verse in Nehemiah 8.10. It says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Like, and life is tough. Like, we are saved, and, and if you believe in Jesus Christ, like, yeah, you're going to be in perfection one day, but we're not there yet. The kingdom of God is now and not yet. We are still in the middle of junk, and Christians and non-Christians are going to go through stuff. Anxiety and depression, you're not immune to that just because you believe in Jesus. You're not immune to burnout. You're not immune to all sorts of things. You're not immune to your parents dying. Like, it's going to happen. This life is full of pain. It's full of struggle. And don't think when I talk about joy tonight, I'm saying that that, that that's like something you just need to gloss over and pretend doesn't exist. That doesn't work either. But if the joy of the Lord is, supposed, is, is our strength, it's supposed to be something that we fight with, we're supposed to weaponize it. There's no point getting strength at the end of a battle. We need it in the battle. We need it in the middle of our mess and in the middle of our trials. And, and we need it now. We need it now. And God is not waiting for you to get your act together until he gives you it. He's not just like holding it above your head, kind of just like, kind of just like teasing you, saying like, oh, if you get your act, if you've changed that behavior, if you share, if you share about Jesus with more people, I might, I might, I might give you this. Um, he's not a weak God like that. He's not a jerk. He's not. He wants you to have joy. Jesus died so that you would have joy and you would have it now, tonight. This second, he died so that you'd have it. And, and joy, it's supposed to be one of the biggest calling cards of our faith. One of the things that made the early church explode wasn't just their message of repentance. It was the joy they had. It was the joy, like thousands of, pe of people being added to their number every single day. But it's a foundation. It is supposed to be the starting point. It is not the end. It is the beginning. And it is a choice. Will the joy of the Lord be your strength? Because you need to get uncomfortable with the fact that He wants that for you and He's willing to give that to you even if you haven't got your act together yet. It's yours. You just need to receive it. And man, our culture is so desperate for Christians to stand up in this area. So desperate for us to just live out this joy. In fact, our culture, like, this postmodern culture we live in, where they've kind of the last tens of years tried to remove God from it, tried to remove him from schools, tried to remove him from politics, tried to remove him from, from every single part of our lives. It has only left us more anxious than ever. It has left us more depressed than ever. And it has removed purpose from all of our lives because if there is no God, nothing matters. If there is no God, everything's subjective. There is no morals. There is nothing. And that is why we are so lost as a culture. That is why you will get on the train, catch into the city, and not one person will smile. 
What if your smile has the power to change the world? What if your smile, just a smile, has the power to change everything? But it starts with you and Him. It doesn't start with you doing anything. It starts with you receiving His love and the fact that He says you can have joy right now if you'll take it. If you'll take it. He's so willing to give it to. Like One of the other things we think about God is is like joy can sometimes be the thing that, um, it's, it's, it's like he's a bit petty, like, like God will give us joy as long as, as, long as, we, as long as we look all right, you know, like as long as we're kind of, kind of acting Christian, he'll give us joy, and if we're not, then he won't give us that, like he's, like he's kind of um, a, a bit bipolar in his love towards us. No, let me, let me be really clear, God doesn't need any one of us. He doesn't need Ash Rosevere. I was not created, humans were not created because he was lacking something. We were all created as an overflow of his goodness, as an overflow of his joy, as an overflow of who he is. He was just so good, he wanted to share it with you. That's why you were made. You, he doesn't need us, he's not lacking. And God doesn't want you to trust him and to get out of your comfort zone and to have faith for his sake. God doesn't want you to trust him because he won't be happy until he gets it. He wants you to trust him because you won't be happy until you give it. You won't be free until you let go. You won't be free until you believe that he's better than you think he is and he wants joy for you right now more than you think he does. He loves you so, so much and he is so desperate for you to embrace that and live that out in your world so that people see you, see your joy and say, I want what he or she has and our world so desperately needs you but it begins with receiving it begins with you receiving it and trusting that that he sees you and he really does love you and some of you guys are going through so much stuff now in your life and you are thinking man this sounds good but it's so far like like joy is is just so distant to me at the moment like you don't know what i'm going through you don't know the kind of struggles i'm i'm resting through in my own heart and my mind and my life, that's exactly why you need this. You need strength because if you're honest with me, you don't have much more strength to give. And you were never supposed to solve all your problems. You were supposed to rest in the fact that the greatest problem of all has been solved for you. And you are supposed to live that out, stumbling forward in obedience. Because if your faith is in Jesus Christ right now and you believe in Him, no matter how bad of a day you have had, God looks at you and He says, that's my boy. That's my girl. And they are as pure before me as they'll ever be. He sees you through His Son. He sees you through Jesus. His blood has completely cleansed it all. Past, present, future sins dealt with. And the joy of the Lord is yours if you'll take it. So what's it going to be? Let me pray. Jesus, thank you, that, um, thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you've forgiven us of all our sins, of all our shortcomings and our failings, Lord. And I pray for every individual in this room, God, that you would meet us where we're at and you would show us how how your joy, God, really does rest on us, but your desire for us to live out that joy 
in a very real and very practical way, God. Even in the middle of the toughest seasons, God, it is possible for us to experience joy in you as our foundation, not something that we get at the end of the valley we're in, not something that just exists on the mountaintop, but something that exists right now, because you are our joy. You are our joy. So I pray that, um, yeah, you would be moving in this place. I pray for this worship time, God, you would shift things in our hearts and our souls so that we would see you for all that you are. We would see you as, as the true loving Father that you are, God. And I pray that we would step out of our comfort zones this week, believing that you are better than we could possibly ever think you are. And God, you desire for us to have joy more than we think you do. God, our world desperately needs it. And your heart is so for the lost, God. Your heart is so for people to come home to you. Father, I pray that we would see the bigger picture, that we would see this is not just about us experiencing something in this room. This is about our world experiencing redemption. But it begins now. So I pray for courage as we receive and as we just be with you. And God, I pray for an overflow of joy tonight. In your mighty name, amen.